0: Hello, welcome to Keep Left Pod. Uh, this week, I want to I want to talk about something that we touched on a little bit in the first episode, which was uh, uh, COVID nineteen, and um, you know I want to talk about America's response to it and the implications of living under a capitalist system through a pandemic. I think it just it it really has put so many so many of our systems on trial, and I think we've watched a lot of them crumble and i think it's it's worth taking a look at those things um because it's um i think it's a uh, it should be a catalyst for a lot of people if they have been not not questioning capitalism up to this point uh this this should be a turning point for you um i think that uh, these the implications are becoming pretty hard to ignore um but before we get into any of that i kind of want to talk about something that's that's in the news this week um and uh wall street and what has what has transpired on wall street in the last few days um and keep in mind i'm not i'm not a stock market guy i don't you know i don't follow it i don't care most americans are not tied to it in any way like they used to be um so it really doesn't it doesn't concern me and i, I know it, it doesn't concern many many socialists but i i think um this is worth talking about because i think it's um it it at the end of the day, it, it sure seems like it's capitalism um, kind of attacking itself, um, but we'll get into that. Uh, so, just you know, broad strokes highlights. If you haven't been following, um, a bunch of these head funds, uh, hedge funds decided to short uh, GameStop stock, and um, if you don't, or if you're not familiar with what shorting is, um, I think the the movie The Big Short is really really good, and I think it does a really good job at just like. Um, Kind of breaking it down in a pretty easy to digest, uh, easy to digest way. Um, I highly recommend watching that. It's about the the um, collapse of 2008 and the housing market crash, um, and how there was a few guys that kind of were able to see that coming and they shorted this, the stocks and, and, and made a bunch of money. Um, so anyway, that you know, there's very little correlation between what happened this week and 08. And I think, but it does help you understand what shorting a stock means and what these guys uh, are up to. Um, so anyway, these hedge funds short GameStop, um, a group of Reddit users, um, mostly Reddit users, I think it seems like there were some outside people involved too that weren't you know, on the threads uh, They may have been no- known about what was coming. Um, but essentially they noticed the exposure that these hedge funds had um, because they had shorted the stock and they saw an opportunity um, so they, you know, started to buy GameStop stock in bulk as much as as much as these, you know, these thousands of Reddit users could afford. Um, and what happened was the hedge funds essentially were forced to buy back stock at inflated prices. Um, and by doing that, inflated the prices even more. Um, and it kind of caused this frenzy. Everybody knew it was a bubble. Everybody knew, I mean, the media knew exactly what was happening but at the same time we're going what the fuck's going on Um, so I think in kind of a panic uh, a lot of these retail vendors like Robinhood I'm sure you've seen about in the news um, stopped trading on some of these stocks that were being affected which essentially you know just served to protect these hedge funds that were losing their asses Um, they pretty much shut everybody else out of the stock market like sorry you kids can't play you know Um, and I think when you look at it, you know, when you look at this whole thing and what we've talked about so far from, from 10,000 feet, it's really fucking funny. And, um, it's easy to just kind of, I think that's probably the appropriate response is to just kind of laugh about it and not too dig, not dig too deep into it because you'll get cynical about it. Um, it's not, you know, I think I've seen it. It's had this, this effect on social media where it's viewed as like kind of this, um, this revolution on the elite and I can assure you that's, it's not what's fucking happening. Um, BlackRock owns 13% of GameStop. They, I think they gained like close to $3 billion, at least $2 I I can't at least $2 billion in, in the last week. Um, and that's one of the most giant evil corporations in the world. So I don't think this is like a revolution on the elite. Um, now if a couple of guys from Reddit that weren't doing so great before were able to make a little money off this system great um, you know good for them do I think that this is some sort of a trial run for an all out war on the stock market or capitalism as a whole no I, I don't you know I think what we'll probably see is is further regulations on on retail vendors like Robinhood um, and more of a shutout um of this kind of you know somehow they'll they'll figure out a way to uh, uh to avoid these organized attacks again because at the end of the day um they do want regular joe's trading i mean uh, it's a hundred percent they they love apps like Robinhood, hood um or regular ass uninformed people can get on and buy stock because they like this this kind of chaos and confusion that 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 causes on the stock market is exactly how these guys make money because they spend their they spend their time finding out what companies are actually worth. So when shit is going crazy and values are up and down and there's a lot of volatility, that is where these guys thrive. That's where they can find ways to make money. Um, so they definitely don't want to shut, uh, you know, as much as I've seen in, in social media in the last few days. I don't think the point of this is going to be shut out little guys um, from playing in the big boys game. They very much need you because they're going to take your fucking shirt, you know. Um, so, you know, I think it's um, Like I said, I think it's best to enjoy Just to laugh at these hedge fund managers That are losing their ass And not really not really dive into it any further than that um, So, that is uh, That's my take on that Let's move on and, and talk a little bit about coronavirus You know, I don't think anybody um, Could have predicted just how bad Trump was going to handle this thing um, But I think that's uh, probably you could have predicted uh, how, as a society, Americans were just not going to handle this very well. Um, I think you know, very early on, um, I think it was on Fox News, I saw a, um, a screen grab from, from one of the hosts, and the little picture beside him in the, in the box beside him was a scale. And on one side of the scale, uh, it said, human lives. And on the other side of the scale, it was just a money bag. And I think I knew in that moment, and that's, that was very early on, that, like, man, we are fucked. Because that ultimately, um, when you live under a system that, you know, as as working class, our lives are commodities, when that is the case and they're weighing it against the economy or their pocketbooks, then we are always going to lose. You will always They will always choose, you know, choose the money over human lives. So I don't think it's, you know... Like I said, Trump really, really fumbled the ball in a lot of really bad ways. Um, but I think because of uh, the system that we live under, this was probably an inevitability. You know, when you, when you weigh you know, the, the profit motive versus uh, uh, public health in America, it's, it's, it's a no-brainer. There are, you know, the profit motive will always win, and that's why I think you've seen, even in the bluest of states, Um, you've seen, uh, the misallocating of, of resources to support this. You've seen democratic governors go on TV and talk about how, you know, we need to open back up, um, which is just, I mean, it's literally the opposite of what every other country has shown us, that, that lockdowns were the only things that saved human lives. So just be real with us, you know, that at the end of the day, um, instead of coming on tv and talking about how we need to open back up just just tell us hey some of you all are going to have to die um because w- we can't afford uh we can't afford for you not to at this point um because all of the countries just accepted that hey like this is gonna fucking hurt and it's gonna take some time to rebuild our economy um but literally hundreds of thousands of people will die if we don't do this so we have to fucking do this this isn't a you know this isn't a discussion. Um, And that's why you saw other countries fare so much better than we have. And, you know, Biden's been in office a couple weeks. He could have done a lockdown on day one. Um, This is just not, it's not something that, you know, even though Trump was very bad and did some very awful things, this uh, profit motive versus versus the health of the average American, um, that is not um, something that's exclusive to one party. Um, Both of these parties will sacrifice human lives. Um, when the economy is threatened, um, I don't foresee any Joe Biden lockdowns coming anytime soon. And yeah, I mean, I know there's a, there's a vaccine and everybody sees light at the end of the tunnel at this point, but, um, it could be a year before most of us get it in our arms. So it's silly to think we won't lose hundreds of thousands of more lives without uh, a total national lockdown, which we can no longer, you know, I blame Trump for the first year of, of, uh, not having lockdowns. I blame Joe Biden for the last two weeks of not having lockdowns. So, you know, um, uh, capitalism, by definition, you know, incentivizes, uh, you know, the individual's gains. And public health is something that, you know, requires you to think a little more complex about the the needs of others, you know, over time, instead of just gaining in the moment. I, I mean, I think you saw like very early on some of the first headlines that this virus got were people buying fucking toilet paper and hoarding them and and selling them for profit, or um, you know, and everybody from that guy that did that shit out of his garage to the big companies that were you know throttling the production of masks so they could keep the price up because they knew there was a mask shortage. You know, um, everybody from the garage guy to that that guy that was doing that, um, they're hardwired. To, this is this is you know how, how the system is designed to operate. Um, So by, you know, existing in that system for a long enough time, you just kind of become part of it. And I think what we've seen so far has just been um, person after person, uh, system after system, um, adapting a capitalist response to this pandemic. Um, I mean, the the fact that we even had a discussion about um, whether or not tests would be free, and then in a lot of places they weren't. And then in a lot of places, the rapid tests were more expensive and we figured out a way to commodify that. Um, and then we still landed it on people were going to have to pay their own fucking medical bills for whatever happened. Like you may be able to go get a test, um, but if you get it and, and you happen to beat it, you're going to be in medical debt. Um, because guess what? At the beginning of this pandemic, uh, 30 million people lost their jobs um, and had to go on unemployment. So thus lost their health care that for some reason this country has decided was a good idea to tie to employment and I think that was a something that Bernie came under fire a lot for during the during the primaries um, uh, we, I think we touched on this a little in the last episode that that um, that his uh, health care plan Medicare for all would get rid of a lot of the the healthcare plans that people already had through their jobs, and they f- felt like they had good coverage and they didn't want to lose it. Um, and I think this, it, it didn't take but a couple months to show that, hey, that might be good, but what happens the day you lose your healthcare? The day you lose your job, you lose your health care. And then, you know, we had, the, we had to have the discussion about um, uh, the vaccine and what we were going to charge for that and how these companies were going to We're going to make money off of it and you know at the end of the day our you know our government just had to had to pay for these things um because we're we're going to get a vaccine in their arms they know they have to do that but think about how much easier that would be if our entire healthcare industry was nationalized if the government just controlled it well guess what we're collectively paying for the vaccine because we collectively fucking need it and it's as simple as that um it's kind of hard to get around the logic you know when faced with a pandemic about how much better it would be if we had a A system in place to deal with these things, Um, and you know, while I think that um, one of the problems from the beginning was the lack of a national response at all. I mean, Trump just fucking straight up did nothing and and left it to states. Um, I I think if you can admit that, then you can, and you can see the holes in that, then you can understand why really what the what the what the plan needs to be is global vaccination. And it needs to be every single country working together to develop a vaccine and roll it out fairly and and rapidly to every single person on the globe, and not just the United States. Um, I realize that's a that's a a tough thing to think about when we can't even seem to figure our own shit out. Um, but like I said, if you can accept that it was wrong of Trump to do that to states and pretty much say states are on your own, figure it the fuck out, then um, I think you can accept that it's it's kind of wrong of the the world's leaders at large to leave it to countries because this it this does until this is gone until this is eradicated from our earth like all you know infectious diseases that we've ever developed vaccines for um until it's gone it's a threat to all of us um so i think the the um the effort to to curb its effects and the effort to ultimately vaccinate the population it's got to be a global effort it has to be you know all these powerful countries coming together and figuring out a way to do it on, on a global scale, but getting back to to um, you know the, the United States' role on on um, on handling this virus at home and how we've kind of let let capitalism guide us. Uh, it was it was something uh, you know early summer there was a pharmaceutical company. Um, I should have looked this up before we started the episode, but. Um, I can remember the high notes at least. Uh, I, I, they came out with a drug treatment for COVID. And I remember seeing that, uh, you know, when it was rolled out that, that the treatment was gonna cost the average insured person about $3,000. Um, that, I mean, it was highly effective and they had made great strides in the science. And um, and it was something that we definitely needed. And I'm glad that this company was, was able to develop. Um, and they did it with something like 75 million in taxpayer money. Um, so we're paying for it anyway and then they're charging us to use it. I don't know how you could argue that a nationalized healthcare system wouldn't be far better than that because that, this is what we have um, and we're told we've got you know, the best healthcare system in the world and we, you know, like I said, we're, we're literally funding all this research and then we have to pay for it again once, once they put it into a product um, because that is the system. It's a, I think it's important to remember that that's a feature not a flaw. I think remembering the, the feature not a flaw uh lesson is something that we all need to do to wrap our heads around things um, when they don't seem to make any sense and I think that kind of leads me to um what I wanted to talk about next which is wealth inequality and I think that's something that um you know was obviously very relevant to talk about before the pandemic but it's been one of those things that the pandemic has really put under a microscope like we've said and um, I wanted, to, I wanted to talk about this by reading something. This article that just came out a few days ago um, from inequality.org. Um, <clears throat> anyway, they, it, it's a it's a great piece, and I just wanted to read a little bit from the from the intro to it here. Pre-existing inequalities in the United States and most countries around the world made ordinary people vulnerable to the dual blows of the current public health and economic crisis. Flawed policy responses to the pandemic have contributed to a further widening of long-standing economic, racial, and gender divides. As ordinary people around the world suffer from the health and economic impacts of the pandemic, billionaires have actually seen their fortunes expand. According to the Institute for Policy Studies analysis of Forbes data, the combined wealth of all U.S. billionaires increased by 1.138 trillion, or 39%, between March 18, 2020, and January 18, 2021, from approximately 2.947 trillion to 4.085 trillion. Of the more than six hundred billionaires, the richest five, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, Warren Buffett, and Elon Musk, saw an eighty-five percent increase in their combined wealth during this period from three hundred and fifty-eight billion to six hundred and sixty-one billion. So, when you take what this article is talking about about the the billionaires uh, fortunes just expanding during this time, um, and you couple that with with what we saw during the lockdowns um, during the rolling lockdowns from you know varying state to state from you know March of last year to you know early summer, um, every single time the the lowest income groups were the ones that were hit the hardest. They were the ones that were out of jobs. They were the ones that um, were, you know, for the first time in their lives, relying on unemployment. Um, and while that was going on, there was a fight on in D.C. over, you know, just how much that should be and whether or not we sh- we should be cutting it. Um, so, when, you know, when you couple those two things together, this this very obvious, you know, explosion of wealth among among the five richest guys in the world, and um, you couple that with you know this very obvious struggling that nobody is denying that the the lower classes of society have been dealing with for the last year. Um, yeah, how can you how can you not see that this this is a this is a feature, not a flaw, um, and it's working. This system, this isn't a you know, and this is exactly why uh, Marx was you know was pretty adamant about his prediction of. Uh, of capitalism eventually imploding because it is designed to do so. In the end, this is—it's just not sustainable. And I, I think you could even look um, even deeper at this virus and um, and how the system has has worked how it's supposed to and failed people. Um, I think you could look even deeper and start to understand some of the other implications of of capitalism and and how when we say it it is the fueling force behind. Um, systemic racism, I think that, once again, COVID has kind of pointed that out because these lower classes of society um, uh, that that have been more affected by that are overwhelmingly um, people of color, then you can see how this system, its mere existence, will always oppress uh, minorities. And, you know, when these these minority groups come up in the news, it's always, whatever it's about, it almost always becomes a way to blame them for whatever problem they're facing or, or, you know, feed them this bullshit bootstrap ideology. Um, But when it's a virus, you can't exactly, you know, you can't say that the virus is racist. Um, It's just that, you know, when it's disproportionately, when something like a virus is disproportionately affecting people of minority, then the system that that we live in is racist. and I just think it's it's one of those times where it's just like it's almost impo- impossible to argue this from a capitalist perspective, and it, it blows my mind anytime I see an article trying to uh, trying to put some sort of positive spin on on a uh, response to this thing. It's it's maddening, and most of the uh, of the responses we've seen to this in media have been, if they are willing to accept some of these critiques, um, it has always been, um, or what I've seen so far has been you know what does capitalism after COVID look like headlines like that um instead of just rejecting the system as a whole you know we're just gonna hold on to it i think it circles back to to uh, the wall street thing that's happening this week ultimately are we gonna fucking learn anything from this probably not you know i don't you know uh, occupy wall street was what a decade ago so i think the only thing you can really do is just acknowledge that these are all symptoms of of late-stage capitalism and um no, I don't think any of these are going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. I mean, I think it, as we saw, um, you know, the, they will always bail them out. Um, you know, I think we'll end up seeing some bailouts for the Wall Street guys that lost their shirts this week. Um, we definitely saw a couple of rounds of coronavirus b- bailouts. I mean, they. But if you can't look at that and start to critique the system that, you know, needs to fucking bail itself out a couple times a year, I mean, if you're if you're my age if you're in your 30s you live through more government bailouts of, of wall street than the previous generation did their entire life already um it's the wheels are falling off and i think um you know sometimes it's 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 easy to probably read more into some of these things um when they happen in the moment they're like oh fuck, man these guys are really fucked now um like we all felt during during the hedge fund thing this week um but just remember that they are—you know—these are symptoms, and um, it, just because you don't feel like anything comes of it, um, they are adding up, and they're becoming increasingly, increasingly hard uh, to defend. And if there's some sort of—you know—silver lining in any of this, it's that maybe the average American comes out on the other end of this this virus and, and the Wall Street thing um, with a, maybe a better understanding of how um, how we operate and how the system works. Um, you know, if that if that is all we get of this it it, it is something and, and i think it's you know it like i said it's becoming increasingly hard to defend and you're i see more of it in mainstream uh not necessarily national media but just like fucking jumping on twitter or facebook i see more of the average person um noticing these holes and pointing them out um and that that cannot be a bad thing you know and on that you know slightly hopeful note it might be a good place to to wrap this thing up um Thanks for listening. Uh, We'll talk soon. Bye.